It is Thursday, October 6th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 5 Preview Edition of the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Small, looking like he's ready to chop some wood today. We got Colts at Broncos to start the wood chopper tonight, Jared. Broncos by three, over under 42. I saw it at three and a half earlier, and then it was three right before the show. I'm a little surprised it hasn't climbed a bit more in favor of Denver, though, and that's probably because the Broncos haven't been very good so far. Yeah, Denver at least seems to be trending up. I mean, I thought, um, you know, last week was their best offensive game of the season so far. Indianapolis not really trending up, in my opinion. They're, you know, without their best offensive player tonight in Jonathan Taylor. You know, the Colts, it's not it's not the Bears dead last in Football Outsiders offensive DVOA. It's not the Texans. It's the Colts. They're they're dead last. And, again, no Jonathan Taylor tonight. So, I'm, I'm not really excited about anything in this offense, I think Naheem Hines and Michael Pittman are the only two guys who belong in fantasy lineups. Yes, I agree. Definitely Pittman and nobody else in the passing game for most. I mean, if you're in a deep league where like Mo Ali Cox makes sense, then I think it's fine to play him. Um, he and Kylan Granson are, are interesting, mostly for their yardage overs. Uh, I did take overs for both Mo Ali Cox and Kylan Granson on their receiving yards in underdog pick them this week. And both those guys did show up in my Wednesday article with our biggest gaps between our projections and the underdog lines. Yeah, I did add Mo Ali Cox in a bunch of FFPC leagues uh, yesterday. I'm kind of falling for him again, I guess. Um, like I've done multiple times, but his uh, route participation has trended up uh, 38%, 47%, 51%, up to 62%. Last week, I also saw a 16% target share last week. So it could just be, you know, that's kind of how it's gone for a couple of games and it's going to trend back in the opposite direction. I'm definitely not ready to trust Mo Ali Cox and fantasy lineups. Yeah. But if we continue to get, you know, the type of usage we got last week, then, then he'll be someone that we can consider. Yeah. I mean, I think he's fine as a tight end premium stash. I'm certainly not expecting a whole lot um, rest of the way. And then that backfield with no Jonathan Taylor, you mentioned Naheem Hines. He's certainly the only one that I'm using tonight. The other contributors, Dion Jackson, they just elevated Philip Lindsay from the practice squad. Obviously Lindsay is the name we know between those two. He has just eight. He had just 88 carries last year across time with both the Texans and the Dolphins. Neither of those were strong backfields and he could not stick yeah. at the front of either of those average 2.8 yards per carry. Never been a good receiver. So Philip Lindsay is well beyond being a guy that we should bet on to any level. I think Deion Jackson has an interesting athletic profile, just 15 carries so far in the NFL, been in the league since last year, arrived as an undrafted free agent out of Duke. 4.3 yards per carry, but 8.8 yards per catch career at Duke. So, you know, somebody to watch to see what he does. But again, Naheem Hines, the only guy I would consider using tonight. Yeah, Lindsey and Jackson to me would just be like, you know, DFS flyers if you're playing showdowns tonight. Um, I, I do think Naheem Hines' rushing role is going to grow. So we had Jonathan Taylor miss uh, week 12 back in 2020. I believe he was on the COVID list for that game. In that game, Naheem Hines played 65% of the Colts offensive snaps, got 10 carries and 10 targets. Um, I think he could get around 10 carries. Now you're obviously not betting on 10 targets, but I do think he'll be a big part of the passing game. Now, again, I think he's going to be inefficient because I don't think Hines is built to, you know, be a lead ball carrier in the NFL to, you know, the Broncos run defense hasn't been great, but it's just a bad spot for the Colts offense in general. So, you know, Hines is like a low end RB two in our PPR rankings. And then he's like an RB three in half PPR or non PPR. Yeah, he is a solidly built small guy, though. He split the backfield, including goal line work with Jalen Samuels way back when they were the backfield at NC State. So not a guy that you want being 15 plus carries every week, but a guy who can step in and be that kind of contributor in a single game. 
On the Denver side, the backfield is also in focus because, of course, Javante Williams is done for the season. Melvin Gordon had a rough week last week, fumbled, was dealing with a neck thing. But here's what Nathaniel Hackett said about him after the game. Melvin is a true pro. This is a guy that's been doing this for a long time. He's harder on himself than anybody. He's part of our team, and we love the guy. He knows there was a mishap right there. It's a great opportunity for him to get back out in the field and prove himself. That, of course, is referring to Javante Williams' injury, giving him the opportunity. He ended it with, I expect for him to step up and have a great game. So there's been a lot of speculation about they – don't like Melvin Gordon at this point. There's opportunity for the other guys. I think this is still Melvin Gordon and then the other guys. Yeah, me too. Like when the Javante news first broke, I was like, all right, you know, Mike Boone, let's let's try this again because we've tried it a few times and it hasn't worked. I'm not sure it's ever going to work for Mike Boone in the NFL. I think Denver wants it to be Melvin Gordon. You know, he's the veteran. He, he's a good – he has been a good player. The issue is he hasn't been very good this season. Uh, even beyond the fumbles, you look at PFF rushing grades, Melvin Gordon 48th among 49 qualifiers he's 33rd among those 49 in elusive rating so yep you have to wonder if you know he's what 29 years old now if he's just kind of out of gas at this point so we'll see how the situation evolves I do think tonight you're going to see Melvin Gordon as long as he doesn't lose another fumble like he's going to handle two-thirds to you know three quarters of this backfield work he's the Broncos running back you want to start tonight I think Mike Boone and Latavius Murray are worth stashing but I, I would not be starting them in week five fantasy lineups yeah, I took Melvin Gordon over on total yards tonight because I'm I'm not sure that it all comes on the ground, but I think ground plus receiving he'll get there as long as he doesn't fumble. That's the certainly the risk. So Mike Boone, Latavius Murray, both stashable, but I agree I would not be using either one tonight. And I think really the best position to take on this Denver backfield is to not get truly excited about any of them. Yeah, I think there's a chance Boone plays in passing situations, but Boone and Melvin Gordon have really bad PFF receiving grades so far this season. And Mike Boone has one of the worst PFF pass blocking grades. Gordon has at least been good in pass protection. So, again, I'm just not sure where Boone fits in. I would not be surprised if Latavius Murray emerges as the number two back here. Latavius Murray is like a mannequin, and I mean that in a positive way, not that he can't move, but like if you just need somebody to get the job done and hold the clothes up and let everybody knows what it should look like, that's Latavius Murray. He's kind of like Jamal Williams, right? Like he's not exciting, but NFL coaches like him because he's reliable. And if he's on the field, then you know, he can score some fantasy points. I'll take Jamal Williams easily ahead of Latavius Murray. I mean, Latavius Murray is what, like five, five year older Jamal Williams. I don't give you that, I guess. <laughs> uh, thank you, Russell Wilson, for the three total touchdowns last week. Still only 237 passing yards against the Raiders. The team did only attempt 25 passes. Yeah. That's a little surprising given that they lost that game by nine. So, you know, only so much that Russell Wilson can do on the yardage front. I think overall it was a positive outing for him passing, especially versus the previous few games. Maybe they lean on him a little bit more now that Javante Williams is Mm -hmm. done for the season. I do think Jared, and I've, I've had several people ask about Jerry Judy for tonight. I'm pretty comfy starting Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton in this game, because even though the, our matchup numbers say the Colts have been third toughest on wide receivers so far, a lot of that is just opportunity. The Colts have faced, have tied for the second fewest wide receiver targets faced to this point. And according to football outsiders numbers, they're just 27th in past defense DVOA. Right. 27th against the pass, second against the run, according to football outsiders. So it has kind of been a pass funnel defense so far. I do think Denver is going to have to lean a bit more on the pass with Javante Williams out. And Javante Williams, you know, beyond the carries, he'd been getting 17% of Denver's targets. 
I, I think you're going to see fewer targets go to the running backs now with Javante out and more targets go to the wide receivers. So that, that's good news for Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton at this point, you know, like in every week, borderline wide receiver one with the type of usage he's been getting. It would be good news for Albert Okwe Boonham if he still played football. <laughs> Yeah, grab uh, Greg Dalsich. I think uh, you know one, if he ever gets healthy. I'm not sure he is yet. He hasn't been designated to return from IR yet. But if he ever gets healthy, I think he has a chance to be the lead tight end there. Giants at Packers. Packers by eight for this one. Over under forty and a half. The Giants are tied with the Steelers and Panthers for the lowest implied point total on the week. They're more than two points behind the Bears. Uh, Daniel Jones is practicing good news, I guess, relatively for the giants, but he's on that sprained ankle was moving around in Wednesday's practice. So it seems like he's trending toward playing. So that's better than if it were Davis Webb or something else. It would be, but I, I sure wouldn't want to use anything besides Saquon Barkley on this offense. Yeah, for sure. And it's another good matchup for Saquon Barkley. The Packers 28th in football outsiders run defense rankings. Um, they have allowed 5.2 yards per carry through running back. So I expect a lot of Saquon Barkley in this game. Uh, we did get Kadarius Tony and Wendell Robinson back to limited practices on Wednesday. You would definitely not want to use them this week, but I mean, you know, if those guys get healthy, there's every opportunity, especially for Robinson. I mean, we already saw in week one when Robinson was healthy, he was playing a bunch of snaps. Tony obviously has to earn that still, but again, um, with Sterling Shepard gone, Kenny Galladay's nothing like that. There's every opportunity for Robinson and Tony to be this team's top two wide receivers once they're healthy. Yeah, I think that Robinson and Tony are both fine stashes at the bottom of your roster. Like if you have a a guy that's always going to be stuck down there and doesn't have that much upside, I would go ahead and drop a guy like that for one of these two who might do absolutely nothing for you, but Mm -hmm. do have a path to being the lead receiver for a team that really needs somebody to be so the rest of the way. For sure. Um, (laughs) By the way, the Giants route leaders last week were Saquon (laughs) Barkley and tight end Tanner Hudson. Yeah, Richard James got hurt last week too. So, and he, I think he didn't practice on Wednesday. So, I mean, it's, it's just barren there. Yeah. Uh, before we get too far away from the Broncos game, we had one interesting question here Melvin Gordon or Devin Singletary in a PPR league? Jared, who are you playing? I'd go Singletary. I'm buying into his passing game role, especially with uh, Crowder out and Isaiah McKenzie looking doubtful to play on Sunday. I think that it's pretty even. I would probably play Gordon because I believe more in him getting the ball on the ground. And I think the targets are a little bit tougher to predict for both of those guys, but it is very close. We do have Singletary higher in PPR. So that means draft sharks plus Smola on the Singletary side versus me on the Gordon side. So it sounds like we're leaning Singletary overall. Bang. On the Packers side of this one, Alan Lazard was limited Wednesday with his ankle thing. He has yet to actually put in a full practice this year because of that ankle issue, has played 90 plus percent of the snaps each of the past two weeks, though. So it doesn't seem like we should uh, be worried about it. We'll see as the week progresses. He's been fine, was certainly fine last week against the Patriots. Romeo Dobbs also has two straight games with eight targets and a touchdown right with Alan Lazard in both playing time and opportunities. Those are those, both those guys are kind of on that wide receiver three fringe, I think. Yeah. I mean, they've emerged as the clear top two wide receivers here in terms of both, both playing time and targets. Um, and I think the Packers passing game will be efficient on Sunday in London. I just don't think they're going to have to pass much. I mean, th- this is an offense that wa- still wants to run through Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon and the giants aren't going to push them to pass. So I, I don't think you're going to get big volume out of Rogers and these wide receivers, but I think, I think they can be efficient enough to be like low end fantasy options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Both our running backs, by the way, are inside our top 15. So I think both are quite usable this week. The only question is if you have somebody else close to AJ Dillon in the rankings, it's honestly really going to come down to touchdown luck. And I've already seen like him versus Damian Harris so far. 
those are the kind of calls that are like, you know, I, I don't know. They're going to get similar opportunities and it's really going to come down to who gets luckiest near the goal line. Yeah. Dylan has still underperformed his usage. If you look at you know, his actual fancy points for his expected. Um, so he's still a positive regression candidate that could definitely hit this week in this matchup against the giants. But Jones, you know, after so week one, AJ Dillon scored a bunch more expected points than Aaron Jones did, but Aaron Jones has had more expected points in each of the last three weeks. So Jones has kind of reemerged as the clear top guy in, the, in this backfield. Um, but again, I still think Dylan is like a, you know, every week running back too. just again, because this Packers offense wants to run through these guys. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers 20th in fantasy points at quarterback. Meanwhile, 18th in pass attempts. So just not a whole lot to mine there really. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he sucked in week one, obviously, but the last three weeks he's gone quarterback, 13 quarterback, 14 quarterback, 13. So he hasn't exploded, but he also hasn't crushed you. I think, I think that's what you're, you're going to get this week as well. Like it's not going to be a ceiling game, but, but I think he'll, you know, probably throw a couple touchdowns and be okay. Yeah, he's like Jared Goff. <laughs> he wishes oh. he could be Jared Goff. L.A. Chargers at Cleveland. Chargers by two and a half, over under 47 and a half. Austin Eckler gave us the game to <laughs> make it seem like he's back last week. Three touchdowns against Houston. I think, Jared, one thing to be aware of, and I won't say it's a concern, but to be aware of, all three of his touchdowns came from at least 10 yards away from the goal line. So the team hasn't really had goal line rushing opportunities over the past two games. And before that, Sony Michelle was getting in the way of that work. So we might think after a three touchdown game, okay, Austin Eckler's back. He's getting the role. We want him in. I don't have to worry about him. I'm starting him. You're definitely starting Austin Eckler going forward, mm-hmm. but we are still kind of watching this to see if his usage is going to change or if he's just going to like be lean more toward the Austin Eckler of the year before last, which is still mm-hmm. good, but makes it tougher for him to consistently give us that round one level running back performance. Yeah, I do think his role this year isn't as good as what it was last year. He's just been feasting on the, the passing game volume the past few weeks. And that, you know, will continue to come. I, I do think he's benefited from Keenan Allen being out the past, what, three weeks now. It does look like Allen's going to miss again Sunday. So, yeah, I come with you. Like, Eckler, I think he's going to fall short of what he did last year. But, like, the way the running back landscape is right now, there's, like, four good fantasy backs that you actually are excited to start. Like, I, I would not – sell Austin Eckler right now, even though he he might not hit, you know, where where you drafted him back in August. Yeah. I mean, he's the kind of guy that I would consider movable if you're in a good, if you're in good shape at running back and you know, it's part of this package that's upgrading you at wide receiver and you're still all right at running back. So he's somebody that I think is movable. He's not somebody that I would put in a sell category. Yeah. I I just don't think there's many teams that are in position at running back to be able to sell Austin Eckler. I'm sure not. None None of my teams are. (laughs) Keenan Allen, like you said, did not practice Wednesday with his hamstring injury last week. He was actually limited Wednesday, limited Thursday, then did not practice Friday, missed that game, of course. So I will see whether this is a setback or whether they're trying a different path this week to get him better for the game. We'll have to see. Have you, have you read anything more specific on Keenan Allen's outlook for this week? No, Brandon Staley is still calling him day to day, which he's been doing since he suffered the injury. So that tells us nothing again. I think, if you're an Allen owner, you have to assume he's not going to play this week. And you can't use Josh Palmer either this week because he fell behind DeAndre Carter in pass routes last week. And there was no injury reported. Um, he's not on the injury report this week, I don't believe. Limited um, Wednesday with an ankle. Oh, yes. Okay, so that 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 probably does explain it. Um, but still, unless he you know, unless he's like full go Friday and not on the final injury report, I don't think you can trust him in, in fantasy lineups this week. Yes, I agree with that. 
Um, David Njoku, Harrison Bryant on the other side missed Wednesday's practice. Bryant was listed with an illness. David Njoku was listed with a knee slash rest. Which <laughs> yeah. I, I always chuckle to myself when they list somebody with rest and an injury. It's like, guys, they're obviously they're <laughs> resting an injury. If it's just rest yeah. and put that, if there's not actually concern about the knee, then don't put that down. But if it's, if there is any concern about the knee, don't put rest. It's just it, one of those language things. that's you know, it doesn't ultimately matter, but it's, it's, it's kind of stupid. For sure. Um, injury report shenanigans, but they, they held Njoku out of practice last Wednesday too. Then he practiced the next two days and obviously had another nice game uh, in that loss to Atlanta. So 32 and 20% target shares for David Njoku the last two weeks. And as we've been saying, the route rates have been right where we want him all season. So, you know, to me, he's, you know, he's, he's locked in as a tight end one at this point, you know, with so few reliable options at the position. I'm in. Um, and I don't think week four changed anything for Amari Cooper, or the running backs, obviously a disappointing game for Cooper, but I mean, we can't expect him to go for a hundred yards every yeah. week. Yeah. Nothing changed with the running backs. Um, this is obviously a great match. We should mention too, the, you know, these teams played last year and it was a 47 to 42 chargers win. Uh, the chargers passing game went off. The Browns running game went off. I'd kind of expect the same here. You know, the chargers remain much weaker against the run in the pass. Um, I, I think, you know, Nick Chubb, obvious start. And I, I think Kareem Hunt is a pretty nice play this week too. You know, he's kind of consistently been getting, you know, 10 to 14 carries and a handful of targets per game. I think, I think that'll be enough in this matchup. I did take the chargers with two and a half points in this game earlier today. What do you think? Our chargers, they always, they always burn us. I, I still believe um, that, that left tackle that filled in for uh, Sean uh, Slater. Slater. Yeah. He, he played well last week so you know we'll see if that can continue i think tougher matchup this week are the browns getting uh miles garrett back he did return to practice wednesday with a with pep in his step it was what i read so he should be ready it sounded like he wanted to play last week but doctors are like nah man you just flip your car over a bunch of times you gotta yeah. take a week off i like the chargers minus two and a half i like that yeah I, I i won't feel terrible like as i was making it i was like this is not a lock but i like the chargers over the browns i mean I'm, and when you can bet uh herbert to be Jacoby Brissett, you kind of got to do it exactly chicago at minnesota vikings by seven over under 44 i'm not sure i trust 18 and a half implied points for the bears here wow. i mentioned them being ahead of some other bad teams but they've scored so far 19 10 23 and 12 and perhaps more importantly last week marked a high so far this season of 155 passing yards. So even when they drop back more, it does not go well. Justin Fields actually dropped back 35 times last week. Only 22 of those turned into pass attempts. There were six sacks, 50% completions. They're a garbage offense. Yeah, Fields is taking sacks at a historically high rate. Like he's going to smash the record for highest sack rate if he continues on this pace. He's at he's taking a sack on 19% of his dropbacks. One of every five times he drops back, it results in a sack. So. I mean, the Vikings defense has not been good early this season. Maybe that's why the Bears are, you know, implied for 18 and a half. I, I'm with you. I wouldn't take them to hit the over there. Um, to me, it's still clear Herbert and no one else on this offense. David Montgomery still did not practice on Wednesday. I'm not expecting him to play on Sunday. And if he doesn't, uh, you know, Herbert's a, a, a volume-based RB2. And I, I bet two other games. One was the Buffalo game, which we'll get to later. But I think this was the other one where I went ahead and took Minnesota with the points. I just I don't like the chances of the Bears hanging with anybody right now. Nope, neither. Um, and so elsewhere on the offense, we got David Montgomery mispracticed Wednesday with the ankle. It kept him out last week. Khalil Herbert, a solid RB2 if Montgomery doesn't play, but it's not just mm -hmm. him in the backfield at this point. 
I mean, it was a, you know, Herbert played 77% of the snaps to Ebner's 23%. Herbert got 19 of the 25 RB carries. Kind of what I expected, right? Like, it's not all Herbert, but he he dominated the rushing work. There's not going to be much passing volume here, um, you know, for Herbert just because the Bears aren't passing. Um, so that kind of hurts his, his floor and his PPR upside. Um, but again, I think you can count on 15 to 20 carries out of him. Yeah, I don't like that Ebner beat him in targets last week, though. It, w- it was 50% of the routes for Herbert, though, versus 19 for Ebner. So, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, it might happen again, but it's not you know, definitely going to happen again. Mm-hmm. Darnell Mooney was nice at least to get four catches for 94 <laughs> yards last week, but again, not a passing game that you can bet on. Certainly Mooney is not a target play for this week. On the other side, the Vikings are tied for the fifth most implied points by the Vegas numbers this week. Everybody here can start. That does include Adam Thielen. That does not include Irv Smith or KJ Osborne, if you can help it. Yeah, Thielen's been um, – I'm happy we've kind of seen him bounce back the last two weeks, 20 and then 23% target shares for Thielen. Uh, he's finished as a top 26 fantasy wide receiver in each of those games. I mean, the only concern for, like, Cousins and Thielen in this game is teams are just running the ball against the Bears because their run defense isn't great and their offense isn't threatening, so teams can just run, run, just get out of there with their uh, victory. The Bears have faced a league-low 101 pass attempts so far through – four games. So I don't think you're going to get big passing volume out of the Vikings offense, but it should be efficient. And again, they have the implied total. So, you know, guys like cousins and Thielen are are decent touchdown bets. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything else from that game? Nope. Tennessee at Washington Titans by two and a half over under 42 and a half. And the Titans have finally realized over the past two weeks that you can actually throw (laughs) the ball to Derrick Henry. You don't have to just hand it to him. Uh, He is currently sitting at a career high for yards per route run this season versus all his previous seasons. His average depth of target is in positive territory for the first <laughs> time since 2017. That was his second year in the league. And before he became a starter, Derrick Henry's got five career games of five plus targets. Two of those have come in the past two weeks. So thank you Titans for finally realizing that. Yeah, it's nice to see. And it's not necessarily that Henry's playing a lot more in passing situations. His route rates are up a little bit, but they're, you know, they're still sub 50%. It's just that the Titans are designing pass plays to get him the ball, you know, whether it's screens or just quick swing passes, just get him the ball out in space. So that helps, obviously, in fantasy. Um, helps this week, too, because this is actually a tough matchup. Washington's been horrible against the pass, but they've actually been pretty good against the run. Football Outsiders has them sixth in run defense. Uh, they're actually second in fantasy adjusted fantasy points allowed to running back. So, um, again, Henry should – be fine. The Titans are favored here. You know, he should get his 20 carries. And if he gets another three, four targets, that's awesome. But um, it is, it is a better matchup for this passing game than it is the running game. Unfortunately in that passing game, Traylon Burks is likely out. We know he's out for this game. He's probably out for at least a couple games dealing with yeah. turf toe. Um, uh, so we've got, we just got B-dubs asking thoughts on Burks. I mean, I think Jared, you keep him stashed where you can, yeah. I would say he's not a must stash if you are having trouble finding somebody to drop to get, a, you know, a usable receiver or running back this week. I agree, because that tends to be a tough injury for players to return from. I would not be surprised if Burks is kind of hampered by that for maybe the rest of the season, if not at least, you know, like through November. Um, so he's he's droppable if you don't have, you know, like eight plus bench spots or an IR spot. Um, I, I do think Burks' absence puts Robert Woods in play. Um, you know, he, he, was, he saw a 6% target share in the opener. Since then, he's gone 25%, 33%, 19%. Um, so I think you can kind of project him, you know, in the low 20s as long as Burks is out. And again, this Washington pasty has been really bad. Um, they're 26th in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. So again, I think Woods, you know, 
wide receiver four, maybe you know lower end wide receiver three. He's an option this week. Yes, I'll agree with an option. Certainly not attractive. The target shares would look a lot better if um, Ryan Tannehill didn't sit 28th among quarterbacks in pass attempts right now. He's behind three game starters, Joe Flacco, Jameis Winston, and Cooper Rush, among other guys. Yeah, and again, that, that's just what Tennessee is going to be. Um, I'm also keeping an eye on your boy, Kyle Phillips. Um, just see, I think with Traylon Burks out, I mean, I think it's going to probably have to be Woods and Westbrook Akini on the outside and Phillips back in there in the slot. So, um, you know, not, not using him this week, even in like DFS, but just going to keep an eye on his playing time in this game. Yeah. Try not to use any Tennessee pass catchers here. Robert Woods is fine. If you really need one, but he's sitting 39th in our PPR rankings right now. So yep. that shows you our thoughts and Ryan Tannehill himself, um, really just a super flex two QB option for the volume issue that we were talking about. Yes, for sure. On the other side, Jared, there are lots of times in our rankings each week where I'll go in knowing that I need to get together my argument for or against a player because it's going to take some work. Other times, I'm surprised at the amount of pushback on certain players. And Antonio Gibson today is one for me because I think that he was already too high in our rankings, which I'll give you credit, you did move him down some. But I don't think there is any reason to think anything positive about Antonio Gibson in fantasy right now. I think you avoid him at all costs this week. I think you're overstating it. I mean, last week was his worst week of the season in fantasy, and he finished RB 36. Like, if that's his floor, then I'll take it. And he, you know, finished RB 12, RB 15, RB 26 the first three weeks. That I, I'm, I'm kind of buying back into Washington's offense in general this week just because they faced the Eagles and Cowboys the last two weeks, and those are tough defenses. Uh, you know, this offense was a lot better the first two weeks. Um, one of those games was against the, the Jags, too, who have turned out to be a nice offense. So I, I just think Washington's O in general is going to bounce back a bit. Um, I think there's less of a chance of Washington falling way behind in this game and kind of scripting. And that's been Gibson's problem the last two weeks. He's gotten scripted out. We know if they fall behind, it's going to be J.D. McKissick. But I think this could be could be more of a Gibson game. That's one of Antonio Gibson's problems. The other is that he sucks. Uh, he, his playing time has decreased every week so far, both in total snaps and snap share. The passing game role dipped significantly after week one. It was the receptions that pumped up his week one scoring, had a touchdown in week two. The He's 29th among running backs in rushing yards, despite ranking 19th in carries, 3.3 yards per rush so far. Second straight year, that number has fallen by a significant amount. 31st among running backs in rushing grade, third worst among qualifying running backs in rushing DVOA. And this week, the Titans are eighth best in run defense DVOA. They're also favored here, despite being on the road. So, I mean, I think it's a better matchup overall for them than Dallas or the Eagles were the past two weeks, but not an awesome spot for Gibson. And the like the cherry on top of the crap Sunday that has been Antonio Gibson is they worked Jonathan Williams into the game last week. So they're like, we got to give the ball to somebody else. Okay, Jonathan Williams, you used to play running back, right? Get in the game. I know it's the first quarter, but we need you to carry it. Yeah, Jonathan Williams played 8% of their snaps. I mean, I'm not too worried about him. Now, if Brian, if Brian Robinson comes back this week, then I would definitely want to move Antonio Gibson down further. But, I mean, he's RB30 right now in our PPR rankings, RB31 in non-PPR. I, I think that's where he belongs. I definitely don't want to start the guy. But, I mean, you know, if you're if you're not stacked at running back, I think he's an okay RB3 or flex play. Yeah, I think the, the particulars around him are – uh, J.K. Dobbins, Tyler Algier, and I forget who even the third one was. I think I have it at a different spot in my notes. But those are the the key players that I'm still starting over Antonio Gibson versus where he's sitting in our rankings. Yeah, I think Mostert was the other one you mentioned. Yes. Um, Mostert and Dobbins are 
close for me. I have um, concerns, especially with Dobbins, just how much work they still want to give him coming off the, the knee. Algier, I'm just, I just hate the spot for Atlanta's offense, but we'll, we'll get to get to him in a bit. Now watch Antonio Gibson have 16 carries for 32 yards and two touchdowns <laughs> and make both of us right here. Yes. We'd we'll love that. Brian Robinson was de- designated to return this week. We'll see how soon he gets into the game. It definitely should be stashed pretty much everywhere at this point because Washington doesn't like Antonio Gibson. So even if uh, he'll always have a home with Jared, then he's going to get replaced by Brian Robinson as soon as that's possible on the passing game side, Jahan Dotson, no practice Wednesday after he suffered his hamstring injury, certainly not planning on using him this week. Curtis Samuel also missed practice Wednesday. He's dealing with an illness. So we'll have to watch. Usually Wednesday illness does not mean missing Sunday's game, but you know, we'll watch and see Terry McLaurin certainly solid either way this week. It's an, it's an upside matchup for him. Yes. I love McLaurin this week. Um, again, it's a good matchup for this passing game in general, the Titans 25th and adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. Tennessee also according to football outsiders, dead last defending deep passes this season. Terry McLaurin, 15.4 yard average depth target. That, that's almost been his problem this season is he's just getting too much work downfield and it's kind of you know, made him more volatile. Uh, it's lowered his, his catch rate, but um, you know, in this matchup, Tennessee struggled against deep passes. I would not be surprised if you see McLaurin hit on a deep ball or two in this game. And Titan safety, Imani Hooker is dealing with an injury, so that can only help um, Beautiful. deep attempts. All right, Houston at Jacksonville next. Jags by seven here, over under 43 and a half. So Vegas also thinks that this team is going to rebound. I think they're going to rebound. Sloppy, rainy game at Philly last week, plus a tough defense. I don't think either of those factors are going to be in play here. Obviously, we'll check the forecast as we get to Sunday, but so far the forecast doesn't call for rain um, being an issue. So I'm going to go ahead and bet on Trevor Lawrence in this one. I'll go ahead and bet on James Robinson in this one. I'll go ahead and bet on Christian Kirk. And then we'll see if Zay Jones is back was limited Wednesday with his ankle sprain. Yeah. The Jags also only ran 46 plays last week. Um, I guess largely because of all those turnovers by Lawrence, but you know, that, that kind of muted all the production. I definitely like the bounce back spot here for Lawrence in the passing game, the Texans 26th and adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. He mentioned the high implied total, for the Jags. I do think this sets up again as more of a James Robinson game. We kind of saw ETN get more work in negative game script against Philly, but I think the Jags should be playing with the lead here. So I think it's going to be back to Robinson leading the way in snaps and carries. And then Christian Kirk, I mean, yeah, he had his first like dud of the year, but he saw 39% target share in that game. So like, I, I, I might feel better about Kirk now than I did prior to this past week. Yeah, he obviously got shown up stat-wise by Jamal Agnew, who was working in the slot. But if Zay Jones comes back, it'll push Chris push Christian Kirk back into the slot primarily. And as you said, he still got nine targets last week, only caught two of them. And just yeah. one of those games you just kind of throw out along the way. I think that the previous three are much better for Jacksonville than one sloppy rainy game in Philly. I really want to see a game out of of uh, out of Evan Ingram here. Um, you know, the playing time has been good, as we've been saying all season. The route rate is 81% for the year. That's a good mark. But sitting on just a 12% target share, he needs that to climb. Um, I, th- I think it will if he's, if he's out there that much. Um, but Houston, 25th in adjusted points allowed mm-hmm. to tight ends and 20th in football outsiders tight end coverage ranking. So it's, it's a good matchup for Ingram. Mm-hmm. On the Houston side, Damian Pierce inflated his numbers last week with a 75-yard touchdown run. Obviously, anytime you do that, it's like, whoa, wait a second. Let's not get too excited. But the positive side for Damian Pierce is that he controlled the backfield work, got every single one of Houston's carries in that game, even though it was a limited number, 14, um, and also worked ahead of Rex Burkhead on the receiving side, ran six more routes, had one more target. So all positive on Pierce, even if we have to 
pump the brakes slightly because of the long touchdown. Yes, the passing game usage is huge. Uh, season high, 51%. Route rate for Damian Pierce, season high, six targets. Um, if, if that continues, you know, he's he's more game script proof, which is important when you're on the Texans. Um, still a tough matchup here. I mean, we just saw the Eagles rip the Jaguars run defense, but I, I think that was more of a one-off. I think the Eagles offense is just that good. I still think this is going to be a, a tough rushing, r- rushing matchup. So I don't love Pierce's ceiling, but um, again, if he's going to get that passing down at work, he's, he's a pretty safe weekly fantasy start. Yeah, I was both happy and pissed to see Miles Sanders do what he did last week because I started Jeff Wilson Jr. over him yeah. in one league. And I mean, I, I did so pretty comfortably. Yeah. And frankly, I got the 18 carries I was looking for from Jeff Wilson. I just, I never could have guessed that we would get a career high in carries for Miles Sanders. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the weather definitely impacted that game. Um, we saw the Eagles go more run heavy than they had the previous few weeks. But uh, Wilson, Wilson was fine for you. Yeah, I lost that stupid matchup because of it, though. Uh, on to Seattle at New Orleans Saints by five and a half over under 46. And I guess, first of all, Jared, the Saints are tied for fifth in implied points here. <laughs> I wonder if that means that Vegas expects Jameis Winston to be back or if Vegas just doesn't care whether it's Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton here. I think they don't care because the Seahawks defense is freaking horrible. Um, I mean, they, they are so bad. The Lions had we're missing all their wide receivers last week and still put up what 40 something points. So I, I think a lot of saints are interesting. I think, I mean, whoever starts a quarterback, probably not going to hit like quarterback one territory in our rankings, but I think in, you know, super flex leagues, two quarterback leagues, they're a great play. I think they might be in play for DFS tournaments this week. Um, I think Chris Olave is an awesome start. I mean, I think he's like a rock solid wide receiver too this week. It, it does look like Michael Thomas might miss again. Uh, so he might not be an option that only helps Chris Olave. And then I, and then I love this thought for Alvin Kamara. Um, looks like he's going to be back from his rib injury. Some additional risk as he's playing through that. Um, but again, the, the matchup is awesome for Kamara. And we saw him get that pretty encouraging usage back in week three. Yeah, no practice for Michael Thomas Wednesday. No practice for Jameis Winston Wednesday. So we'll watch those two guys. Alvin Kamara was still limited with the rib issue. But he said to ESPN's Catherine Terrell, quote, this week I'm feeling great, healthy, ready to roll. So you go ahead and comfortably start Alvin Kamara in this one. Jared, Jalen Hurts leads the league in PFF passing grade so far, which has been shared. Number two, do you happen to know who that is? And there's a huge hint in what game we're talking about now. That's Gino, baby. He's been he's been good. It sure is. But by, by the way, number three is also involved in this game. It's Andy Dalton. Wow. He he played he played okay in that game against Minnesota. He he's honestly he might be better for the offense than Jameis Winston. Winston's more fun. And he might look better for fantasy because he's so aggressive. But I mean, I, I think Dalton might just be the better option for that offense if they're trying to win games. On the Seattle side here, I'm starting DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett pretty comfortably. Do you play Geno yet, though? Is it time to put Geno Smith in fantasy lineups? I mean, again, he's been awesome. I think he might not crash, but I think we might see him take a step back in this game. I mean, Seattle's last two games have been against Atlanta and Detroit. I mean, those are, you know, two of the worst defenses, two of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. Um, you know, the, the Saints are 14th in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. They're 13th in pass DVOA, according to Football Outsider. So this is an average defense, but it's much tougher than, than what Geno has faced the last two weeks. So for me, I would not be wanting to start Geno in a one quarterback league. He's obviously a, a nice start as a quarterback, too. Yeah, that's where I'm at as well. I mean, if you're if you're sitting there with Matthew Stafford as your only quarterback, Geno Smith's fine in that one. Um, mm-hmm. But his two big games came against Atlanta and Detroit the past two weeks, 17th and 24th in pass defense DVOA. The Saints are 13th. 
They're top 10 in overall defensive DVOA. So a better unit than what he faced the past two weeks. So like I said, Geno Smith is like in can be used territory, just not a go get him. So you can use him this week. And I would start Teddy Bridgewater over him, for example. Me too. Um, Rashad Penny, no practice Wednesday because of a shoulder issue. So we're going to have to watch him coming off that big game at Detroit. And I mean, if he is healthy by the weekend, I'm probably starting him in most cases, but it's also worth noting, we mentioned the long touchdown run for Rashad Penny for, uh, um, Damian Pierce, but Rashad Penny's two touchdowns last week, both came from long distance as well. Now, part of the allure to him is he's fast enough to be able to do that, but we also have to account for him scoring two long ones against one of the league's worst run defenses and say that, okay, Rashad Penny is not a stud. He's somebody who can take advantage of opportunities. Yeah. I still consider Rashad Penny a running back three at this point. Um, And and a lot of that is because he's just still doing nothing in the passing game. Now he, he did run more routes last week with um, Travis Homer out. The Seahawks basically went to a two man backfield. DJ Dallas only played, a few snaps. So Penny did play more in passing situations. Kenneth Walker actually set a season high in snaps too, but I mean, it's still Penny's backfield for now, Um, but he's not playing the lions this week and he's still not doing anything in the passing game. So if he doesn't break off a long run or he doesn't score a touchdown, he's you know probably going to end up hurting your fantasy team. Yeah. He's sitting 29th in our PPR rankings right now. I don't see anybody in at least the top 26 that I would start him over. And right between those two numbers are Najee Harris and Kareem Hunt probably going with those guys over Rashad Penny as well. Yep. Um, anything else from that game? Uh, no, Will Disley keeps scoring touchdowns and ran more pass routes than Noah, than Noah Fan. I mean, if you're rostering a Seahawks tight end, it should probably be Disley at this point over Noah Fan. He, by the way, was in the uh, best ball article just before the start of the season as ah, a, nice. late, a last round pick on underdog. So I've been uh, happy to see that. And he's already paid off. That's right, baby. Atlanta at Tampa Bay bucks by eight and a half. This is another game. I bet. Actually, I don't think it was the Minnesota game. I picked Atlanta because the line on bet MGM was nine in favor of Tampa Bay. The Falcons are ninth in offensive DVOA. They're second in rushing DVOA. The bucks are mid pack in run defense DVOA. They just allowed 92 yards on the ground to Clyde Edwards. E they allowed 189 total on the ground to the chiefs. And two weeks before that, the saints hit them up for hundred rushing yards without Alvin Kamara involved in the game. So I don't think this bucks team is as good as what Vegas still believes based on the numbers this week. I, th- I think the bucks are going to smash the Falcons in this game. Um, they're health. They're healthier at wide receiver. We saw them go back to their past heavy ways in that game. Against the Chiefs. I mean, I'm with you. The run yeah, again, and that's kind of why I think, you know, you're going to get angry, angry Tom back at home against Atlanta. I, mean, I think it just sets up as like a, you know, 14, 17 point win for the Bucs. Uh, I mean, you're right. I do think Tampa's run D is not the dominant force it has been in the past. Atlanta's rush offense has been good. Um, so I get like the individual matchup sets up solidly for Algier. I just, again, I don't like the spot for the Falcons offense, they have the low implied total. And I'm also just not exactly sure how much work Algier is going to get. I mean, he split carries down the middle with Caleb Huntley. Last week, we saw Huntley get uh, at least one goal line look. I think it's possible Avery Williams mixes in some on passing down. I just think it's going to be a committee on an offense that's not going to score a bunch of points. So, I mean, I'm not super excited about Tyler Algier this week. I mean, I certainly agree with that. And we're talking about Tyler Algier. I'm playing him over somebody else in RB3 range. I'm not targeting him this week. But I do think that there is a bit of sleeper upside in that range if you're looking for an RB3 with some upside. Because the other side of I'm not sure who's going to work in is 
I'm not sure if Tyler Algier does just take more of that work this week. So that's, you know, that's the upside portion of it. He doubled Caleb Huntley's playing time last week, um, tied for third among all running backs right now in yards created per touch, according to player profiler. Like I'm starting Tyler Algier over Zeke Elliott, who is at 32, I believe in our rankings. I'm starting him. The guys that I'm considering him versus are Rashad Penny, J.K. Dobbins, Raheem Mostert. So all those guys are, I'm not sure exactly how many touches they get this week. I'm not sure how much their team wants to run, and I'm not sure about their offenses in general. I'm probably starting Rashad Penny over Algier once we get to the weekend, if he's healthy. Um, But otherwise, I I think Algier is at least right with those other guys. Yeah, I'm starting most of those guys over Algier. Um, Just looking at our rankings, like, you know, Tony Pollard's a guy I would consider benching for Algier. I think they're, you know, in for pretty similar workloads. And I, yeah, I don't love the spot for the Cowboys offense on the road against the Rams. But th- th- I guess the one encouraging th- thing for Algier, he did lead the Falcons running backs in routes last week, you know, 40%, even with Patterson playing uh, most of that game. So if he's going to be the lead ball carrier and play in most passing situations, that's where you know, maybe you get 18 touches out of the guy. And then he ends up being a decent fantasy play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, decent fantasy play is what I'm looking for this week. Kyle Pitts on that Falcons offense out Wednesday with a hamstring injury, crushed, obviously, by the expectations of the fantasy community. Might be better off if he just sits out this game so fantasy owners can, can bench him. I mean, not that you, they probably have a better option at tight end because, you know, there's like six good tight ends. But, um, I mean, so Pitts is 21st among tight ends in total pass routes. Like his route rate isn't where we want it to be, and Atlanta is just a low volume passing offense, so the opportunity just isn't there for Pitts right now. Even though you know the target share is still pretty solid. On the Tampa side, third most implied points this week by the Vegas numbers. Even though Tom Brady missed Wednesday's practice with a shoulder injury, now we'll watch and see if that is any kind of deal at all. It's obviously could just be sitting out Wednesday and then he's fine after that. Um, but it's worth watching. But the Bucks are only fifteenth in overall offensive DVOA so far, six spots behind Atlanta in that category. They've been short of 290 total yards in two of four games, 20 points or fewer in three of four games. The first time all season that they got past 20 points was the end of the third quarter on Sunday night when they were already trailing by 21. Yeah, I just think that with their wide receivers healthy, at least for now, or healthier, that this offense is going to be better. I still don't think it's going to be what it was last year. I think it's going to be better than what we've seen the first three weeks. Um, Again, we also saw the Bucs go super pass heavy again last week, even adjusting for game script. They were plus 16% in pass rate over expected. That's that's a massive, massive number. So I think we're going to see that again with the wide receivers healthy. And this Atlanta defense, 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. They were just as bad last year. And in two meetings last year, Brady went 276 yards and five touchdowns and then 368 yards and four touchdowns. So I I think it sets up as a big game for Brady and and these wide receivers. I guess we'll see. I still, I already bet the Falcons with the nine points. So we'll see um, where this one goes. You should have come to me with that bet. I would have given it to you without, you know, the the minus 115 vig or whatever you paid. Uh, Chris Godwin got back to full usage last week. Good to go as a weekly option, at least in wide receiver three range. Um, and probably beyond that, I think he's in wide receiver two range in our rankings. Yeah. He's right on the border. I think he's like 25 or something. Um, yeah, I mean, he ran, he ran her out in 86% of the pass plays, 19% target share for Godwin last week. He had two nice games against the Falcons last year and slot receivers have been killing Atlanta this season. Jarvis Landry, Cooper cup, Tyler Lockett have all had big games against the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Um, Kate Otten probably set to be the lead tight end there. We've got Cameron Braid dealing with a concussion. I think that's the most I can say about Kate Otten. 
Yeah, that's all I got. And we should talk about the backfield, though, because we saw Rashad White. It it was like two for one split where Fournette would play two series and then White would play one, two for Fournette, one for White. You know, we'll we'll see if that's what they're going to do going forward, if it was just a one week thing. Um, I I, I still think Fournette's an RB1 this week in this matchup. But, um, you know, if he's going to be losing one of every three series, it's it's definitely going to hurt his fantasy outlook. Yeah, I'm curious to see if that was just a one game thing or if that's how it's going to work going forward. Certainly encouraging for Rashad White. We'll see about Mm -hmm. Leonard Fournette. It's all like even a little bit harder to read, though, because they ran the ball just so few times in that game after falling behind uh, by quite a bit. Miami at the Jets, Dolphins by three, over under 45 and a half. Jalen Waddle, no practice Wednesday with a groin issue, but was questionable heading into last Thursday night's game with the same issue and played his largest snap share of the season so far. So it doesn't seem like something we need to worry about, but we'll watch him heading into the game. Teddy Bridgewater, obviously kind of the big story. Um, our yardage projection for Teddy Bridgewater way over his market line. Like I said, I, I did that pick article on Wednesday pointing out the biggest gaps between our projections and the numbers on underdog. I would recommend going and checking that out, checking out that article and finding options to fill your pickup lineups on underdog. If you haven't been on there before, you can use uh, promo code draft sharks and get your first deposit matched up to hundred percent, or I'm sorry, up to hundred dollars. It will be hundred percent, no matter how much you're putting in there. So the Teddy Bridgewater passing yards line has gone up from where it started and we're still way above what it is, Jared. Yeah, I just I don't think there's much of a drop off from Tua to Teddy. Honestly, I think they're similar. You know, they kind of both lack arm strength, but they're both accurate passers. Bridgewater has a career 66% completion rate. Um, we we saw him last week, 193 yards and a touchdown in a little over one half of action in that game against the Bengals. I mean, he's good enough to get the ball into Jalen Waddle and Tyree Hill's hands when they're running wide open over the middle of the field because Mike McDaniel's scheming up this awesome stuff for them. I think I think Teddy can do what Tua had been doing and this matchup is awesome. The Jets 29th in football outsiders pass defense DVOA. Um, so to me, I think Bridgewater is the best like streaming quarterback play this week. A guy who might be available is available. I'm sure or at least was available in mm-hmm. most fantasy leagues. I think you can you know consider using him this week. Yeah. And I would caution anybody to not, to, it's still easy to overrate small samples in this game, which is completely built of small samples. Like I see people saying, well, should I worry about Waddle without Tua? Because Teddy Bridgewater barely threw to him last week. It's like, yeah, but that was half a game. If we look to week one of this season, Tua barely threw to Jalen Waddle <laughs> versus Tyreek Hill. So there, this offense is Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and the quarterback. And oh yeah, every once in a while, we'll give it to the running backs too. So <laughs> I'm not worried. I'm not changing my outlook for these wide receivers in this game at all with nope going from Tua to Bridgewater. I think that he looks to me like right-handed Tua for our purposes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, if I have a concern with Waddle, it's that it's that injury because he, you know, he was quiet in the box score, but um, we'll see what he does in practice these next two days. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else from the Miami side? I mean, we mentioned Raheem Mostert in passing, like he's somebody that you can use, but I'm not sure how much the team wants to run the ball. Right, exactly. And the running game hasn't been good. Um, I mean, the good news for Moser is he, he continues to distance, distance himself from Chase Edmonds. Um, Moser had set season highs last week with 64, or sorry, 72% of the snap, 64% of the routes. And Moser's even dominating Edmonds in the passing game. I mean, they both saw three targets in that game on Thursday night. But again, you know, Moser ran almost three times as many pass routes. So he, he's the clear lead back there. It's just the running game's been ineffective. Um, so, you know, it's kind of tough to get excited. Moser is more than an RB three. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. On the Jets side, it's not hard to get optimistic about Brees Hall going forward. Was limited yeah. Wednesday with a knee issue, so we'll have to watch that. But at least he was practicing on a limited basis. And he's really, I, I think, the only one worth talking about on the Jets offense right now because I'm trying not to use any Jets wideouts until we have more Zach Wilson data. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, I think Hall at this point looks like an every week RB2 with the usage he's getting, um, you know, 17 carries and six targets last week and set season highs and snap rate and route rate. He, you know, he's, he's, he's the lead guy. Carter's still there, but Brees Hall is the lead guy going forward. And the one thing that makes the receivers interesting is the Dolphins are 31st in football outsiders pass defense DVOA. Xavier Howard's banged up. Not sure he's going to play in this game. Um, yeah. The jet, the jets definitely passed, passed less in that game with Zach Wilson in week four than they did the first three weeks with Zach Wilson. I kind of see that continue. I don't think they want to, you know, overload Zach Wilson at this point. Yeah, I agree with that. And I don't want to talk about the Jets offense anymore. Tyler Conklin, I guess you have to mention, but he's outside our top 12 at tight end this week. So don't have to talk about him. Yeah, much. I mean, just just five targets for him in, in Wilson's first game. I think he, he might be more near that level going forward than he was in those first three weeks. Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Jared, I want to scroll back to a trade question that we got a little bit earlier in the show on YouTube because it involves Deontay Johnson. It was one side was Deontay Johnson and I'm trying to remember, oh, Jeff Wilson and Deontay Johnson for Michael Pittman. So which side of that are you on, assuming that it's full PPR? Uh, the Deontay Johnson, Jeff Wilson side. Yeah, that's where I was, too. I was waiting to get confirmation. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of difference between Deontay Johnson and Michael Pittman. So if you can get somebody that is a starting running back in addition to Deontay Johnson, it's, it's a, a no-brainer, for, not a no-brainer, close to a no-brainer for me. Right. I'm not super excited about Deontay, but I, I have concerns with Pittman just because Matt Ryan's been so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I think the concerns for both both wide receivers are very similar. So this Pittsburgh at Buffalo game, rough spot for Kenny sure. Pickett's first start. And this is the other game that I said, I bet a bills by 14. I don't, not sure the line could be big enough. This should be like a college line. Like where one team's favored by 30 um, over under a 46 and a half Steelers are tied for the lowest implied total on the entire slate. Kenny Pickett came in and ran for two touchdowns last week, but he also tossed three interceptions to the Jets. Uh, you know, Buffalo's just been terrorizing quarterbacks this year. Yes. I don't see Kenny Pickett doing anything positive in this game. Yeah, impossible spot for Pickett on the road. The Bills first in football outsiders pass defense DVOA and first in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. I, I did think Pickett played pretty well last week, though. The, in, the interceptions, one of them went off Frymuth's hands. One of them was a Hail Mary at the very end of the game. There was only there was one bad decision he made. He kind of threw it up into double coverage for it was his second interception. But otherwise, I thought he played pretty well. Pickett was 13th in PFF passing grades for the week. So I, I still am confident that he's going to be an upgrade for this offense over Trubisky. But um, tough, you know, tough to see the, the Steelers moving the ball and scoring many points in this spot on Sunday. Yes, I agree. I'm going to be watching George Pickens' targets because I've had lots of people tell me this week that George Pickens' target per route spiked in the second half after Kenny Pickett entered the game. And, you know, this is similar to the Jalen Waddle point that, yeah. yes, that definitely happened. Could it happen going forward? Sure. But should we take the second half of last week's game and assume that George Pickens has a pretty good shot of being the number one receiver going forward? I don't think so because Deontay Johnson has – a year plus of being the clear number one receiver in this offense. So I'm going to lean on that over a half of football against the jets. 
Me too. I'd still bet on Deontay leading in targets the rest of the way. I would bet against him seeing 30% target shares every week, like he was with Trubisky. Um, I think, you know, he might come down to 25%. You could see Pickens, you know, get close to 20%. I mean, Pickens just looks freaking awesome. Like, I, there's no, like, numbers to back it up, but the guy is just really good at football. And, you know, we saw it in the preseason. We heard all about it in training camp. Um, so I, I'm I'm excited about Pickens, just not, again, not this week in this matchup. Um, there's really, I mean, Najee Harris is still in play just based on volume. And Deontay, Deontay Johnson, but barely. But yeah, I mean, he's in RB three range in our rankings. Like I, I, you know, I did the projections. The rankings came out. I was like, wow, Najee Harris is very low. But I, you know, we didn't really end up moving him up. That's kind of where he belongs. So Harris and Deontay Johnson, you know, low end volume based plays in this matchup. Otherwise, I think I, I guess I guess same thing for Fryermuth, right? Um, he also saw four targets from Kenny Pickett in that one half of action last week. Um, he might be someone that you know the rookie kind of kind of leans on, especially in this matchup. I would say this is the kind of matchup though, where if you are coming down to two players at the position and you know, everything else is basically equal. I would go against the Steeler because they're the yeah. upside just isn't there for those guys in this game. Agreed. And I agree with, you know, the, I, it's positive for George Pickens certainly the way things went. I would like having him on a roster. I'm certainly not starting him this week though. And I'm curious to see where things go from this point. I think part of it is just everybody's excited about George Pickens, the player. So we're just yeah. waiting for signals that something is changing. And that was, you know, we don't know yet whether that was signal or noise is the point. Pittsburgh plays the Bucks next week too. Um, and I know another tough passing, passing matchup, then Miami and then Philadelphia. So just, it's a, Tough stretch of games for for Pickett in this passing game. Yeah. The Bills, meanwhile, 1.25 points ahead of the Chiefs uh, on the board for the highest implied point total of the week. Two points ahead of everybody else in that category. That helps the starter cases for any of those close decisions we were talking about. Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox, Devin Singletary. Um, Gabe Davis put in a full practice Wednesday for the first time since spraining that ankle back on the Saturday of week two. So he could be in for his best game among the past few weeks, at least. Isaiah McKenzie, no practice Wednesday uh, coming off his concussion. We should assume that he's not going to play. Dawson Knox also didn't practice Wednesday, foot and hamstring. So we'll have to watch him through the week. What do you think about this Buffalo offense? Yeah, no more excuses for Gabe Davis. I mean, I think it, it, it you, you could tell watching the games that he has not been at 100%. Um, so you can excuse away the low targets the past couple games, but I mean, full practice on Wednesday, you got to assume he's close to hundred percent now. So I, you know, if you don't have a locked in wide receiver three, Davis is someone I, I, you know, be good getting in the fantasy lineup just because of the upside this week with the bills having this huge implied total. And like you said, no Jameson Crowder, likely no Isaiah McKenzie. I mean, you know, there's every chance for Davis to get, you know, 20% of the bills targets in this game. Um, yeah. Da- I mean, Dawson Knox was on the injury report last week with, back and hip injuries now it's foot and hamstring injuries i mean he's just all sorts of banged up evidently and he hasn't been producing so far I and mean, he still has the touchdown upside in this offense and in this in this matchup um, but he's he's kind of tough to trust in fantasy lineups until at least until we see him you know off the injury report yeah yeah i definitely agree with that if you're down at the point where it's like Knox or this guy then i think that it's at least a game situation where you can lean toward Knox, assuming that he's ready for the game and i think gabe davis like he's not to the point of being a buy for me right now, but this week I think you treat him like what you thought he was when you drafted him. Yeah, to me he's a buy if like his owner has soured on him. But I just feel like people love Gabe Davis so much that his owner in your league probably is, is still holding out hopes. I'm not sure how low you could buy him, but it's definitely worth checking on. Um, and, and then Singletary, we mentioned him before. I think he's like a rock solid RB two this week. I mean, 
79% of the pass routes last week for Singletary, and he saw a uh, 14% target share in that game. Like, if he's going to be getting that level of passing game usage, even if the rushing stuff isn't there, like, that, that passing game usage is enough to support him in, in PPR. And, folks, rock-solid RB2 is the nicest thing that Jared has ever said about Singletary, <laughs> topping the previous best of, yeah, he's fine. <laughs> That's right. He's not good, but it's, you know, it's situation, situation, situation. It only helps the matchup here that the Steelers defense is dealing with injuries to Cameron Hayward, Minka Fitzpatrick, Terrell Edmonds, three different cornerbacks, obviously already without TJ Watt. So, I mean, this could just be a really ugly, completely lopsided game. The Bills defense, no practice for Jordan Poyer or Tremaine Edmonds on Wednesday. Just don't know that it matters for the Steelers. Yeah, this, this, this could be like a 40 to three football game. Yeah. Detroit at New England Patriots by three over under 45 and a half TJ Hawkinson. We're doing reruns right now. Cause he didn't practice Wednesday. Got a hip issue. Apparently his body doesn't matter though. As long as he's out there Sunday and facing Seattle, he's going to go crazy. Um, we're assuming no Deandre Swift still with the shoulder injury. Obviously we'll watch for confirmation. I'm on Ross St. Brown still not practicing Wednesday ankle DJ Chark. No practice Wednesday ankle. Josh Reynolds, no practice Wednesday, ankle. So you are best keeping your feet up if you're in the Detroit area this week. Quintet Cephas, no practice with a foot. Um, so, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, wrong. It's, it's it's tough to talk about the Lions passing game right now without knowing who's going to be available. I mean, assuming Hawkinson's okay, he's obviously a strong fantasy start. Uh, matchup isn't quite as good, but the Patriots haven't been against, good against tight ends this season. 17th in adjusted points allowed, 25th in football outsiders, tight end coverage ranking. So Hawkinson's an easy start. And then Jamal Williams is an easy start. Um, even though, I mean, Williams definitely overachieved versus usage last week. He bu- busted off a long touchdown run. He only ran a pass route on 31% of the dropbacks. Craig Reynolds actually ran more routes than Williams. So, you know, if the Lions fall behind in this game, which I don't think is likely here to fall, you know, to fall behind a bunch, uh, Williams might be phased out a bit, but um, you know, it's, you're probably not benching him after what he did for you last week. And the Pats run defense has not been good this season. Yeah, we actually got a Jamal Williams or Najee Harris question here. And you would think like if we could look into the future from August, we'd be like, seriously, week five, we're already asking that I'm starting Jamal Williams pretty comfortably over Najee Harris. Yeah. Now it's like, seriously, you're asking that it's it's Jamal Williams easily. (laughs) It's the Detroit (laughs) offense. Nobody can stop them. Come on, Jonathan. What are you thinking? Uh, Yeah. So Jamal Williams, a fairly easy start this week. We'll see if Craig Reynolds makes us all look like idiots by Monday. (laughs) Um, and on the injury report, Austin Siebert or Seibert, I forget limited with a groin injury. And we know what to do there. If you're limited as a kicker on yes. Wednesday, you're getting replaced on Thursday. It, it is interesting that the Lions only have a 21.25 point implied total for all the points they've been scoring. Like, you know, Vegas evidently expects this offense to kind of, you know, struggle a bit this week, at least compared to what they had been doing. Well, probably Vegas got to the quarterback and was like, oh, yeah, it's still Jared Goff. He's got two <laughs> four-touchdown games, two others under 19 fantasy yeah. points. You know, even that's not going to kill you if he's getting 17 and a half fantasy points. So he's been okay, but he hasn't been good in football terms outside right. of the Seattle game. And we've talked about that Seattle matchup. So, you know, Goff is usable in deep leagues or if you're a team in need. He's not a target guy, though, outside of those high upside matchups. And so far, his two really big games have come against Washington and Seattle. Exactly. He's, he's kind of like Geno Smith. Like I, I want to see it against a legit defense before I'm actually, you know, con- considering Goff as an every week quarterback one. And Geno Smith has been playing better than Jared yes. Goff. So that's a, yeah. a, a mark in favor of Geno Smith and at least as much of a mark against Jared Goff. Yep. 
Jacoby Myers on the Patriots side, limited Wednesday with his knee issue, missed the past two games with it, was limited in practice all of last week too. So we don't know yet whether that's progress. Um, we'll have to watch him through the week. It would be progress for him and the other receivers if Mac Jones is playing, I think. Returned to a limited practice Wednesday. He missed last week's game with what was reported to be a severe high ankle sprain. So, you know, we'll see. I, I think we can't necessarily say for sure that Mac Jones returning on a severely sprained ankle is good for the offense. Really, I would love to not have to rely on any New England pass catchers in my lineup either way. Same, um, d- d- you know, despite the matchup, but this matchup is also just as good for the running game. And we know that's what New England wants to be. So New England is first in football outsiders rush offense DVOA and the Lions are dead last in rush defense DVOA. So I, I would be excited to start both Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson this week. I think they're definitely good DFS plays too. Yeah, normally I would like to not have to pick between these two running backs. This week I would feel pretty comfortable <laughs> using both running backs. And they're, they're both inside our top 20, even in, even in PPR. San Francisco at Carolina Niners by six and a half on the road over under 39 Jeff Wilson jr. We talked about, he's got 18 carries in two of the past three games and the game in between those two, he had 106 total yards against a solid Denver defense. So fairly easy RB two for me is Jeff Wilson. Yeah, definitely. And you know, the Panthers run D has been solid, but um, you know, not, not good enough to run away from it. I think, uh, you know, Wilson's a good bet for 15 to 20 carries again. Brandon Ayuk is not a good option, but he's okay, especially because the Panthers defense just put safety Jeremy Chin on short-term IR with a hamstring injury, and they also didn't have safety Xavier Woods in Wednesday's practice because of his own hamstring injury. Yeah, like the you know the playing time's been there for Ayuk. Even the target share is okay, but I mean he, he hasn't finished better than wide receiver thirty-four in a week yet. He's had uh, three finishes outside the top 40. He's 56th among wide receivers and expected fantasy points. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I'd rather bench him. until so, you know, we, we kind of see him get going. I would too. But if you're looking down in that range, he's like Cole Beasley. What Cole start, Beasley I, used to be. <laughs> I'd start, I'd start Robert Woods over Ayuk this week. I think that's, I think that's where it's like, yeah, I could go either way between these guys. Cause neither one of those is like, Ooh, I like him this week. It's like, yeah, yeah they're, Fine. I just and I, I just pulled up our rankings. We have Robert Woods 39th and Ayuk 40th. So Look there you that. go. It's just ingrained <laughs> in there, folks. It's like somebody's yeah. etching it into his brain with a magnifying glass on this phone. <laughs> exactly. The Panthers on the other side of this matchup are tied for the lowest implied point total of the week, 16.25. And that is a number that they've only gotten to uh twice this year. They've gone under it in the other two games. And those other two games where they did reach that number. Each of those included a touchdown that came from at least 60 yards away. So it wasn't at the offense reaching that level. It was like, oh, crap, the defense forgot to tackle a guy and let them get to that level. And one of those games even included a defensive touchdown against the Saints. This is not an offense that you're betting on. Christian McCaffrey is the only guy here that you can comfortably use. I bet the under 15 and a half team total on the Panthers and feel pretty good about it. Um, Yeah, I mean – McCaffrey, yes, he was not limited last week with the the quad injury, so that was good to see. He got the um, nine targets. DJ Moore, eleven targets last week, six catches, fifty yards. I mean, that that feels like a ceiling game for DJ Moore at this point. Um, you know, the Niners have been bad against wide receivers; they're twenty seventh in adjusted points allowed. So, you know, maybe you could make a case for Moore as like a low end wide receiver three, but definitely not an exciting start. Yeah, he's in that range with like Brandon Ayuk and Robert Woods. If I were making yes. that decision, I'd probably play. DJ Moore, but it's definitely not an easy call in favor of DJ Moore over those guys. 
Yeah, more wide receiver 36 in our PPR rank. So he's a, a few spots ahead of Woods and Ayuk. Boom. Jared's not the only one that's got that stuff scored up here. <laughs> right. you've, been, you've been studying. <laughs> Anything else from that game? No. All right. Philadelphia at Arizona. Eagles by five over under 49. We'll start on the defense here because slot cornerback Avante Maddox for the Eagles was still out of practice Wednesday with an ankle injury. And Jared, that could set up your boy on the Arizona side for a nice spot. I mean, if they get more back in the slot because he played, what was it? 72% of his snaps on the outside last week, which is, that's, that's just death. He's not, he's not an outside receiver. He needs to be in the slot. Um, now AJ Green was limited in, in Wednesday's practice. So I think if he's back, that's what'll get more back in the slot because they can play AJ Green on the outside, kick more into the slot. And if, if that happens, I think, you know, more has some appeals like a wide receiver four in, in uh, PPR leagues. That is kind of where you want to attack the Eagles defense. And, and the, you know, the, the usage was good for more. Um, he led the wide receivers in pass routes, 95%. So he was on the field. Um, I still think he can at least do what Greg Dorsch was doing over the first three weeks of the season, if nothing else. That's fair. Although at least what Greg Dorch did in week one might be a lofty goal for Rondale Moore. True. <laughs> Um, AJ Green was limited Wednesday, so we'll see if he's back. Marquise Brown was also, I believe, limited. Or did he miss practice altogether? Um, I, I can't remember, but it was the same injury that he popped up on the report with last Friday and played through it. So I'm expecting him to be okay, but we'll we'll keep an eye on it. He okay did not practice be an improvement for this whole offense, by the way. Yes, I mean, I mean, Brown's been Brown's been awesome. Uh, he's wide receiver eight on the season. He's sixth in expected fantasy points. I mean, he's just been doing it on volume, and um, you know, tough tough matchup for him this week is as uh is Darius Slay healthy for the Eagles I don't think we know yet I forget okay. I forgot to I think he might have put in a limited practice Wednesday but I forgot to check him to be yeah, honest I mean, that'd be a matchup boost for Brown if he's out obviously but um yeah it's, it's a man I can't believe Arizona has a 22 point implied total I I would I'd bet the under on that yes I agree. I mean, that it's just not been an offense to bet on so far. It was nice that Kyler Murray gave us three touchdowns last week, but it wasn't a good offensive day. Otherwise, I think he's toward the bottom of uh, QB1 territory for me. Yes, which is kind of what he's been this season. I mean, he hasn't been killing you, but he has not given you any, any spike weeks. Um, Darius Slay was a full go in practice yesterday, so it looks like he'll, he'll, he'll play in this game. Um, On the Philly side, I mean, you, you're just like playing anybody that makes any sense at this point still. Yes, great spot for the Eagles. You know, you get them in a dome. Don't got to worry about weather this week. Bad Cardinals pass defense. You know, the run defense has been okay, but the pass defense has been has hor- been horrible. So I expect big games. I, I'm still waiting on that big game for Dallas Goddard. Um, you know, the usage has been there. The target share has been good enough. He's had some nice games. Hasn't had the blow up game yet. Um, the Cardinals are 26th in adjusted points allowed to tight ends, 29th in football outsiders tight end coverage ranking. So I think this this could be a big spot for Goddard. When everybody in the offense is carrying dynamite, it's going to be tough for you to find a stick for yourself, I think. Yes. Yep. Uh, Dallas at the Rams. Rams by five and a half over under 43 and a half. Probably still no Dak Prescott for this one. And I think on the Dallas side, that makes it tough to play anyone outside of CeeDee Lamb. Agreed. Um, We did get Dalton Schultz back to a full practice on Wednesday. So he was a bit limited. His his route rate was a bit lower in in week four than it, it has been when he's been healthy. Uh, but but Schultz, I would still that's encouraging for his you know rest away outlook. But I would still kind of try to wait to get Dak Prescott back before starting Dalton Schultz. Yeah, the thing with him is he certainly could get there and be a top twelve tight end this week in PPR. But 
I don't think that there's really that much risk that you're missing on something big right. if you decide to play somebody else. We just had a question on yeah. YouTube of Evan Ingram or Dalton Schultz. I said lean Ingram. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes either way between those two guys, but at least Ingram is playing in a better pass offense in a matchup where they should score plenty of points and move the ball. Yeah, I do Ingram there too. Um, the Rams are actually first in adjusted points allowed to, to tight end so far. And the backfield, I mean, there would be plenty of teams that have to use Zeke Elliott this week. I would try not to if you can, because it's a tough run D. He hasn't been running particularly well. The biggest thing in his favor is he's getting the ball a lot. And that's the biggest thing working against Tony Pollard. Yeah, I was looking through Zeke and Pollard's fantasy finishes, and they've both killed you in games they haven't scored a touchdown. Zeke scored in week three, Pollard scored in week two. They were solid plays those weeks. Otherwise, they've you know been like outside the top 30 running backs. And week four marked the largest share in favor of Zeke Elliott between the two. If you're looking at just opportunities between those two players, week four was the largest share in Zeke's favor. So, you know, if we're hoping that Tony Pollard is going to emerge, Dallas is actually doing the opposite. We'll see if that was a one game thing or if it's something we have to worry about going forward. Yeah, I, I would not want to start Pollard this week if I could help it. On the Rams side, it's tough to like anybody outside of Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby. Here's another one. How do the Rams have a 24.25 point implied total? I mean, that, that Dallas pass rush against the Rams O-line, which is dealing with even more injuries now, I mean, that's that's going to be a disaster. I don't I, mean, I don't feel good about the Rams passing game, and I definitely don't feel good about their running game. Yeah, so I mean, I wonder if five and a half points is too big a line in the Rams' favor in this one. Yes, I, I like I like Dallas to, to cover that. All right. Sunday night, we got Cincinnati at Baltimore Ravens by three over under 48 and a half. Let's start with another kicker injury because we had Evan McPherson <laughs> limited Wednesday with a groin injury. That means you go replace him right now. Um, anything else on the, the Cincinnati side is pretty much like what we've come to expect at this point. Yeah, this is the matchup that Burrow crushed in in both meetings last season. 416 yards and three touchdowns. 525 yards and four <laughs> touchdowns. Uh, you know, Jamar, Jamar Chase had 201 yards and then 125 yards. Higgins went 62 yards and then 94 yards and two scores. So I, I think it's going to be a big day for the Bengals passing game. And then Joe Mixon, it's like the efficiency has been brutal. The volume has been awesome. Um, he's been, he's been good enough in fantasy. There's still upside for a lot more if he can get the efficiency, efficiency going. But um, you know, a lot of the underlying stuff on Mixon is, is down from where it has been in years past. So I think it's, possible that you know he's kind of in decline phase i mean he's only 26 years old so it's kind of tough to believe but um as long as the volume keeps coming for mixing he's 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 an obvious fantasy start mm -hmm. on the baltimore side we got to watch rashad bateman's foot injury this week but i would lean away from him where possible you know barring him getting all the way back yeah. to full participation and no injury designation yeah harbaugh's down played the injury but you know the the Midfoot stuff can be, you know, that, that can be Liz Frank. A lot of times we haven't heard that word, but um, it's definitely worrisome for Bateman. I would, yeah, I would have him on benches for now. I'm not even convinced he's going to play in this game. Um, so I got, I mean, Duvernay is the guy who, if you're desperate a wide receiver, like he'd be the, the guy to use on the Ravens. But you know, again, it'd be a desperation only play for me with with Devin Duvernay. Yeah, because actually it was Demarcus Robinson who got more playing time in Bateman's absence in the second half last week. So it's it's definitely not a for sure Devin Duvernay steps into that role and becomes the lead wideout. Plus, the, Bateman hasn't even been like a true lead wideout for Baltimore when healthy right. so far. So it's not a position that you're chasing, I think. This Bengals D has been good so far, too. I don't know how much we're buying into it, but they're eighth in pass defense DVOA and seventh in run defense DVOA. There's talent there. So maybe they are finally putting it together. Mm -hmm. um, anything else from that game? 
No. Las Vegas at Kansas City to close it out. The Monday night game, Chiefs by seven here, over under 51. The Chiefs carry the second highest implied total for the week. Raiders are just 19th. So, Jared, we're looking at this game. You see the high over under. You look at the two teams that have done plenty of offensive things in the past. You might think it's a great spot for both teams, but the Raiders, like I said, 19th and implied total. They're a half point behind the Browns, behind the Titans. They're behind the Broncos. They're behind the 49ers and they're tied with the Cardinals. So is this actually a good spot for Raiders fantasy upset? I mean, a 22 point implied total is not bad. It's, it's actually just a high scoring week. There's a lot of high implied totals this week. I mean, again, I think 22 is okay. Um, you know, D- Derek Carr just hasn't played well enough for me to want to use him. He, he's had a couple of good fantasy weeks, but he's 27th in PFF passing grades. Um, so he, he's someone I would not want to use. And then I think it's all all the all the usuals on Vegas. It, uh, Hunter Renfro got back on the practice field on Wednesday. It was you know an unoffic- unofficial practice with the Monday night game. We'll get their first report um, later today, but it does sound like he has a chance to return from that concussion. I think we all assume that it would be nothing but good stuff to get back with his college receiver. But I think if you ask the nation's wives, they would tell you it's not always a great thing for dudes to hang out with their buddies from college. (laughs) For sure. So the Chiefs clobbered the Raiders both times that they met last year, 41-14-48-9. This year's Chiefs are fifth in run defense DVOA and seventh in tight end coverage DVOA. And I pull out those two because those are two pretty key areas for Raiders offensive factors. Darren Waller first had only four catches for 24 yards on seven targets in his lone meeting with the Chiefs last year. So it could be an iffy spot for him. I'm not sure there's quite enough at tight end right now for most teams to actually bench him. But, you know, it's maybe a spot to not look his way for DFS. Obviously, Mm -hmm. it's a Monday night game, so that doesn't matter a whole lot. But, you know, not like a blow-up spot potentially for Darren Waller. It does help at least that Foster Moreau is still not practicing on Wednesday with his knee issue. Yeah, Waller's had a weird season. I feel like he's just missed on a few like big plays and and a touchdown or two, which would make his numbers look a lot better. Um, you know, he's still fifth among tight ends in expected fantasy points. Uh, he's ninth among tight ends in targets. So the usage has been fine. I would definitely not go benching Darren Waller. Um, I, I do think he's going to get going. He's going to be better going forward than than he has been so far. Josh Jacobs, I also think is fine, mostly because his receiving usage has spiked the past two weeks, very similar to Derrick Henry, um, has finally gotten those targets, and that keeps him from being so game script dependent. Yeah, I mean, Jacobs is up to fourth among running backs and expected fantasy points. Like, I mean, he's been dominating Raiders carries all season, and now, like you said, he's he's doing most of the pass-catching stuff. 11 and 18% target shares the last two weeks. For Jacob, so and that's going to be important in this game if the Raiders do fall behind. So I mean, I, you know, he's he, he's a top twelve running back in our rankings for this week. You mentioned Derek Carr not playing well lately. He also didn't play well last year in the two games with the Chiefs. Only six point five five yards per attempt, three touchdowns versus two interceptions. So he's well outside the top twelve um, for us. On the Chiefs side, I think you have to play Clyde Edward D'Lair. I mean, you probably already did just because he was scoring touchdowns. He was Chiefs running back, but now he's coming off a nineteen carry two touchdown game. He played more snaps than the combined total for Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco against the Bucks. That came a week after he played fewer snaps than Jarek McKinnon alone. Now Sunday night's usage while nice is still the outlier among his Mm -hmm. four games so far this year. Yeah. I mean, I feel a little better about CEH going forward than I did, you know, heading into week four. Um, 
and it's not it's not like he's not going to be a fantasy starter the rest of the way. That's not why we keep calling him a sell. It's just he, I don't think he's going to be a top five back the rest of the way. I'd even bet against him being a top ten running back the rest of the way. Just just based on the usage. I mean, the rate he's scoring touchdowns is just insane. And he's not even, you know, it, I have it in my notes. Let me pull it up from uh, CBS's Jacob Gibbs. Average Slayer has five touchdowns in the red zone. He's only played 30% of the Chiefs' snaps in the red zone. Like, he's not even, like, he's not even in there all the time at the goal line. He's just, when he is, he's scoring touchdowns. So uh, that's just not going to keep up. But I mean, he, he's going to be a, at least an RB2 the rest of the way. So let's not give him away for anything. Just don't expect him to keep up this pace. That's because they only bring him in to score touchdowns, Jared. So I guess so. I guess so. Clearly, he's the closer. Yeah, I mean, so I think that if anything has changed for CEH off of that game, it's he's gone from a sell him quick before <laughs> he implodes to you should still sell him, but at least he'll be okay going forward. Yeah, exactly. And I think that neither Juju Smith-Schuster nor MVS is as attractive as he should be if you just called him Patrick Mahomes' receiver. Uh, you know, there are certainly levels at which you use either guy. So Juju is 46th among receivers in expected fantasy points. MVS is 47th in expected fantasy points. Like, they're not, you know, they're they're out there, but they're not getting – and part of the reason is the Chiefs are using tight ends more this season than last in terms of both pass routes and targets, and that's, you know, kind of drawing away from the wide receiver. So, yeah, I mean, I think both those guys are weak wide receiver threes at this point. We did see Sky Morris at a season high in uh, snaps and pass routes last week. His role seems to be on the rise, mostly at McCole Hardman's expense. So, you know, if Sky Moore is available in your league, I still think he's a good stash. And over the second half of the season, you know, there, there's a chance he, he's the Chiefs' best fantasy wide receiver over the second half of the season. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes said before the season it's going to be a different guy every week. And it was it seemed to be directly talking about the wide receivers. But it might just be true of this offense where they're yep. just going to do what works every week. And maybe it's a different plan heading into the game. Maybe it adjusts once the game is going. I mean, they were killing the box. So it made it pretty easy to keep running, especially because it kept working. So, you know, everything in this offense can work. The caveat is we're not going to be sure who it is every week. So just kind of keep that in mind for chiefs planning. Exactly. I mean, to me, it's right now as crazy as to say, it's only Mahomes, Edwards, Lair and Kelsey is guys I'd, I'd want to play from the chiefs. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to do it for this week five preview edition of the podcast. You can head over to DraftSharks.com now. You can see all of the rankings to see exactly how we compare all of these guys together. You can check the rankings pages. You can check the Who Do I Start tool. You can check your My Teams pages. If you are looking to play some over-unders, you can check out my Underdog Pick'em article. You can head to Sleeper. You can use promo code DraftSharks on either of those sites. You will get a 100% match on your first deposit up to 100 bucks. So join us playing on those sites, as well as setting your best fantasy lineups. For Jared Smoll and the entire Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.